Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. It's so good to be again in a place where faith can operate and faith towards God, that is, in the name of Jesus, not in ourselves. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, is what the scripture teaches us. So he cleanses us. The Bible talks about that by his blood. And then he renews our minds on a regular basis, or I should say, just put it this way, as often as you would like it. Amen. God doesn't violate any human free will. He does make himself available to everybody, and that's what he does in Jesus' name. good illustration of this is in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. I won't have you turn there, but it's a beautiful illustration of how God is reaching to people. Uh, scripture talks about a man named Cornelius who was um, praying. I don't know how long he'd been praying. It doesn't tell us that, but it just says that his prayers were going up and being heard by God. And uh, not exactly does it even tell us what the content of those prayers were. It just says that God, in his own volition, sent an angel. Usually when you have a messenger angel, it has to do with Gabriel. I was reading through the book of Daniel this past week, and, um, and, I, met, and I noticed that, that the times that Daniel needed a message brought to him, that it was the angel Gabriel that brought that. that, brought that. And the angel Gabriel is still um, employed by the, by the kingdom of God, by the way. And so lots of times when we have something that needs to be broken through and a message needs to be given, you know, that's, that's what happens. God will send his angels not to preach the gospel, but to maybe give some type of instruction or some kind of um, uh, direction. In uh, Cornelius's case, it was very simple. He just said, listen, your prayers are being heard. Send over to Joppa. There's a man named Peter who's over there and have him come. And he will tell you what, it, what you need to do to be saved. And uh, you know the story. It's a very good one. I, in, in fact, it gives me a lot of confidence in how God operates and how he moves amongst people, you know, all the time. Uh, scripture says at the same time, God was trying to help Peter to see the, the kingdom of God in a broader sense. I won't go into the, sta- the, the, the story in detail, but you can read that. It's a very, very encouraging story. Scripture just says that, the intersection was formed. The intersection was that of Cornelius and his household and that of Peter who was a Jew. And so that intersection was brought together and Peter right away, having his eyes um, uh, enlightened, if I can put it that way, saw right away that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't give this message to somebody um, and not to another. And so again, it confirms the fact that God is making himself available Thousands of people could be going into that intersection, even as we speak right now. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that people will get saved. It just means that they should. That's just what it comes down to. And so a lot of the things of God operate that way. Peter, of course, began to preach about who Jesus is and was. And during that message, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost came, just came spontaneously. And that household, I'm going to believe that everyone in that house was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, began to speak in other tongues. And the, um, uh, the constituency that came with Peter, whether they believed it could happen or not, they saw it happening. And the scripture says they heard them, heard them speak with tongues and to magnify God. Um, I talked to somebody here and not finding any criticism, but people were telling me, you know, well, you know, this person got the Holy Ghost. And I said, oh, is that right? And they said, well, there was a glow around them. Well, I, I want you to give me a chapter and verse for that. Uh, right away, I'll tell you, you can't. 
Now, I'm not saying there wasn't a glow. Don't misunderstand me. But the evidence of someone receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is very plain in the New Testament. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That happened in the second chapter of the book of Acts with 120 in that upper room. That happened again, you know, in the 8th chapter. It happened in, in the 10th chapter. It happened in the 19th chapter. I believe it happened every time people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Billy Cole tells the story of how he was in... Um, in um, Thailand for a number of years. He went over there as a missionary and there was nobody in that, in that country to his knowledge that had been baptized in Jesus' name. Nobody. And so when he went over there in the 60s, you know, that was one of the first things he began to do is teach the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, people began to receive it and there were congregations that were, that were receiving it. Literally, denominal congregations as a whole were receiving the message of Jesus' name baptism. And people were being, being baptized in Jesus' name by the hundreds. But nobody for a while had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so he was praying about that. And all of a sudden, during a Bible study one day, out in the open field, there were 39 men that were with him in that Bible study. And all of a sudden, he said, um, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened, and every one of those men began to speak in other tongues and to magnify God. Isn't that awesome? Folks, that is not a coincidence. That's the kingdom of God, you know, and that's how it works. But, the, but, but somebody came uh, running over to the place where they were having the Bible study during that time, and they said, did you not see that giant plane or helicopter go over your head? And they said, no, we never saw anything like that. And, and they repeated it again. And they said, there was nothing like that that happened. And the people from the, a couple of people from the village said, yes, there was like a great big giant whirlwind that came over our village and then it landed right on top of these 39 men. Praise God. And again, I'm not saying that that happens every time somebody gets the Holy Ghost, but that's again one of those signs and wonders. It's like that glow. You know, I'm not saying that God doesn't do those things, praise God, but you and I, we got to be careful that we don't make doctrines out of that stuff. All of a sudden, you know, if, it, if, if a whirlwind doesn't come over the place and when people receive the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden they don't have the real Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you something, folks, that's not true. I go back to the Bible and I see many, many times where when they did receive received the Holy Ghost, praise God, they began to speak in other tongues and they began to magnify God. You know, if that happened to you, why don't you just lift up your hand right now and thank God for that calm assurance in Jesus' name. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, our God is not a confusing God. He's a confirming God. The scripture says in the book of, of, of Mark, it says that he went with them, confirming the word with signs following. Aren't you glad that he does that? Come on, folks, you and I are living during the time when God confirms his word with signs following. Come on, I think there's several in here that you need to break through here. Come on, you need to lift up both of those hands. In fact, some of you just need to stand right now and you need to give God glory for his confirmating confirmation in his word in the name of Jesus oh hallelujah come on we serve a God that is without a shadow without a doubt in Jesus name oh And you can be seated. I understand it takes a while for people to wrap themselves around that. I'm not here to shove that 
tidbit down people's throats. Because then pretty soon people think that you're worshiping tongues. They think that that's what you're looking for when really it's just a byproduct of seeking the Lord in Jesus' name. And so um, continue in that. That is, is so good. God is just absolutely um, uh, tremendously good to us in Jesus' name. Look at the scripture here in the book of um, of, of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Let me just um, give you a word here today that maybe will help somebody. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. The Bible says there um, in verse number 3, I know that there are many of you that are familiar with this. Praise God. It just simply says there. It says um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Really what that says is that we don't war according to the flesh. What that means is that we don't count on our flesh to do any warfare. That's why if you're going to do warfare in the kingdom of God, it's very, very important for you to learn how to walk in the spirit. That's what has to happen. The Spirit understands all things. The Spirit has a broader view than you and I will ever have. And so that's why walking in the Spirit is such an important thing. And that's why after you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I would take hours, I would take days, months, whatever it takes, and learn how to do that. What does that mean? What, how does that, what does that look like in my life? Um, I'm a guy, so I'm a word picture person. I like illustrations, and so that helps me. I know some people are more explanation and that type of thing. It doesn't make any difference. Whatever you are, whatever your makeup is, God can handle that, and he can bring some confirmation into your life, praise God. Confidence in the Lord, praise God. You know, what really got the result done in Abraham's life that last, that 99th year when he was, you know, he'd gone for quite a while, 24 years, you know, walking with God, and he'd been looking for the promised son, and even a few times he kind of got into his own little rendition of it. Uh, but the bottom line is that that 99th year with Abraham, the scripture says that he became fully persuaded. What that meant is that it got a hold of him. Somebody said it's not so much that, that we get the Holy Ghost. I do feel like that's important, and a lot of people do, and sometimes they don't even know what they got. You know, but I think it's more important that, that instead of we getting the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost gets us. Amen. That we learn how to walk in the Spirit, praise God. And that is not a complicated thing. It just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. And let me use the big C word here for somebody, consistency. That's what it takes. You've got to learn to do the things of God consistently whether you feel like it or not. That's what you do. And that's what brings the results to you. Now, it doesn't bring the results to God because he's already there. He doesn't need to have that kind of thing in his life. He doesn't need to have himself pumped up and, and encouraged and that type of thing. He's God. But the bottom line is he's, he's carved out a way for you and I to walk in the Spirit in Jesus' name. But as Second Corinthians is telling us, we don't do this after the flesh. And this is where a lot of people get frustrated and they get uh, upset because they try to do things in the flesh that are not designed to be there. It's like putting, um, it just isn't going to work, praise God. But the scripture says in verse number four, for the weapons, everybody say the weapons. I'm going to talk about some weapons here for you. It says of our warfare are not carnal. See, they don't operate well in the carnal realm. It says, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We've talked about strongholds in this church a lot. 
You know, I don't like to overemphasize that, but this is one of the reasons why some people, even some people here in this room here, are struggling because there's some strongholds in your life. And God has given you the ability through his spirit to pull those strongholds down. He has. But like we want to do, we want to do a one and done. That's what we want to do. We want to do it one time and say, well, it's all over now. I can just kind of rest and relax. That's not how it works. The one and done is that you learn how. You learn how it works. Now you can kind of get it, you know, instead of it being in your house for two or three days, you can see it walking up the sidewalk. You can see it coming down the street. You can recognize the patterns that are there, praise God, and you, with the help of God, can start taking some offensive action instead of always being on the defense. Yeah, this is where a lot of denominal people want to get you. They want to get you defending God. And we don't make very good defense lawyers. We just don't. You know, we make better people who are just doing it, doing it just doing it the way God wants us to do, regardless of what anybody says. Amen. And so those weapons are very, very, very important, praise God, that we learn how to use them. But I know I'm, I'm making a, probably a little more of a deal of it than I should, but, but we can't do that in the flesh. And some of you, that's exactly where you have gone. That's why it fizzled and, and it didn't last and all of that kind of business. But if you can learn how to do it in the Spirit, let the Spirit. Jesus said, if you believe on me the way the Scriptures saith, out of your bellies would flow. Flow is the word. Amen. God wants to flow out of your life, but he has to flow into it first. And that's why the walking with the Spirit is a flow. It'd be you let God flow into you. You let him talk to you. You let him make the decisions, praise God. I, I've told people this over the years. The older I get, you know, I, the big decisions I don't make. I let God make those. I really do, and then I, the thing where I struggle, and, and, and I, I'm not afraid to admit this, is the timing, <laughs> is when do you want this to happen, God? I know you want it to happen. Even him and I were talking about a situation this morning about that, and, and, and he didn't let me know. He just said, oh, don't worry. He said, it'll be obvious. He said, it'll, it'll come, and so I, I have confidence in that, and so in the meantime, I can, have, I can have patience. I don't have to, you know, get ahead of God. I don't have to get out there and go, whoa, where's God? Um, no, he's, he's over there. I should have, yeah. See, you don't have to do that. You can really, really, really let God be the one that's your, with you in Jesus' name. In fact, the, the illustration of this in Scripture is found in the 11th chapter of the book of, Mar of Matthew. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden in labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. A yoke is, is, an, is, is an instrument that's designed to put two animals in the harness. Now, you're not an animal, either am I, but it's still the illustration is there. God wants you to get into the harness with him. And so that yoke is not somebody that's on this side of town and the other one on the other side of town. The yoke is right there, so you can hear exactly what he's saying. Praise God. I, I, I am trusting that there are several eyes that have been opened just in the last three or four minutes because of what I've just got done saying. Amen. And so these weapons can become... Uh, tremendous in your hands, praise God, when they're handled from the Spirit, praise God. Now, we understand that those strongholds have to do with us, attaching themselves to us in a way that verse number 5 tells us. It says, casting down imaginations. So the imagination is in your thought process. That's where it is. And I, there's so many people that are trying to become uh, good psychologists today, and that's man's attempt to try to get this thing down, and it never works. It never does. 
Praise God. Those of you that want to get involved in psychology or you feel pulled to that way, you should read the sister uh, Doty's book on uh, apostolic counseling. That lady had a PhD in psychology. And she has a powerful story that she tells of how that literally ruined her life. Now, it's not me putting down psychologists. It's me telling you that that's not going to work. Not permanently. Somebody said one time that man can come up with a good program. It's because we're God made. Man can come up with a good program, but it never lasts without God. That's why you and I have to bring God into the picture in Jesus' name. And so this morning, I'm just going to mention some of these things to you, things that you've probably heard before, but please don't only just write them down in the physical, put them in your mental. Realize that these weapons, praise God, can really do battle with imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And then it can bring into captivity those thoughts, those times when you wander, those times when, man, it's almost like the floodgates come open. You know, something happens in your home and right away you've gone to the worst case scenario. Can somebody with honesty say amen? Would you like to cut that in half in your life? You can do that right here this morning. God can help you to put the brakes on and say, I'm not going there. This is not over. This is not the end result. Praise God. This is the beginning of this episode. And God and I are going to overcome these things in the name of Jesus. I feel very strong right now that there's several of you that you've already had some strongholds in your heart and mind identified. Why don't you just stand with faith and just give it to the Lord now. The Bible says to cast that care to Him. Come on, some of you have had a problem with depression for way, way too long. Some of you have had a problem with poor self-esteem for way, way too long. Come on, God wants to take care of these things, and he wants to help you in the name of Jesus. Come on, you can overcome it. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down those imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Come on, now here's your kicker. Here's your kicker. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Come on. God can help you to become obedient. God can help you to become obedient to his word in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, I mean, instantly you can become obedient to his word. Praise God. And you're going to find some, you're going to find some, uh, some, some, some weapons like you've never had before in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, praise God, that something is happening here. Come on, God is exposing some things, not to make you look bad, but to help you in the name of Jesus. Come on, don't treat it like that. There's a couple of you, that's what you've done. You've thought, well, God is trying to make me look bad. No, He's not. He's not trying to do that. He's trying to help you. He's trying to give you strength and confidence in Him. He's trying to help you to understand that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up those hands again. Come on, and give God the glory and the praise. Make some commitments to Him. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Praise God. 
Make some commitments to him and don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that, praise God. With you and him, a lot of things can happen in Jesus' name. Praise God. You can Go ahead and be seated again. You'll probably be up here for too long anyway. But the bottom line is, praise God, we've got to learn how these things look in our life. What does that look like? And then just pursue it, praise God. Pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. And God will help you to come to that place, praise God, where it will be a part of your fiber. Amen. And that's when you can really, really recognize the maturity of the Lord in Jesus' name. In the book of Revelation, tonight I'm going to talk a little bit, I think, uh, about prophecy and going to give you some things that uh, the Lord has been talking to me about that are very, very, very uh, prevalent in our day. Um, no, I'm not going to tell you when Jesus is coming back unless, G unless he tells me. But, um, but I am going to show you some signs, sure tale signs that things are really getting kind of hot and heavy. But in the book of um, Revelation, which is not a bad book, it's not a book that's meant to scare the daylights out of people, it's really meant to inform people, that's what it is. It's not uh, for you to figure out. Uh, scripture says in the book of, of uh, Timothy, it says, the Spirit expressly saith in the last days. What does that mean? That means the Spirit knows how to talk to you. But if you don't, that's not mine. Okay, um, but, but if you don't know how to walk in the Spirit, you probably won't hear it. You'll hear other voices. That's what happens. And pretty soon we got this menagerie of voices that we're trying to decipher. And God doesn't want you to do that all the time. He wants you to just separate yourself from that mess and just begin to decipher his voice. This is the voice of God. And listen, let me let you in on a little trade secret here. Usually the voice of God will come via his word. That's why those of you that are going through the Bible in its entirety, you're reading the Bible, have stepped up your walk with God in that level, you've done probably one of the best things that you can. Become familiar with God's word. A lot of times God will speak to us, but we're not familiar with it, so it's strange to us. And so God doesn't want it to be strange. He wants it to be very familiar. That all of a sudden when something happens or as something is about to happen, there's a word from God that comes. And that's what will be your rescue. That's what will be your, your boat to take you off of that roof that's flooding, okay? And so God can do that. But in the book of Revelation, in, in second chapter and the third chapter, he begins to deal with seven churches, which weren't the only churches around. They were just, it was a completion, you know, seven, the number seven in God's kingdom is a complete number. And so a lot of times that's what you will see. You will see that the complete church was being, was being dealt with. Well, one of those churches was the church at Ephesus. Scripture says, unto the angel of the, of the church of Ephesus in verse number one and two, chapter two of Revelation, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now listen, here's God. I know. I can't tell you how many times God has said that to me. I come into God with my best defensive lawyer argument. And all he does is stop me and says, I know. And he's not trying to be a smart aleck. He's just trying to save me some time. He's just trying to save me some frustration. And so instead of going into prayer and trying to make some strong case for God why he should do what you want him to do, you know, best thing we could do is learn how to walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, and let God just flow through us and let His will be done. Can somebody say amen? amen. I know that, that seems so, whoa, my goodness. Kindergarten. 
Well, it is. And so God is saying to this church, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know everything you're doing. And it wasn't that God wasn't grateful with it, but it was being spoiled by something. And I want you to see this. The scripture says, um, And how thou canst not bear them that are evil, and, and, has, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. I mean, this is a pretty strong church. They're not putting up with false doctrine. They're not letting somebody come in charismatic and try to lead the church astray. And again, I'm not trying to be facetious here. I'm trying to help you to understand. You can be strong in some areas of your life and just lack in one area, and man, it can make all the difference. Come on, just go ahead and, and read in the Gospels with that rich young ruler. My goodness, folks, come on, can't we learn? Look at somebody and say, yes, I can. All right, it says... Bible says in verse 3, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Here is a strong church that knows how to do it every day. But the Bible says, it uses a word there that sometimes is, comes up and it's nevertheless. And you could shorten that word with the word, but. Yeah. And it's not like God's trying to rain on the parade here. It's not like God's trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It isn't like God's trying to you know, disapprove of everything else. He's just saying, listen, if we can get this thing tweaked, if we can get this thing down, the rest of this is really going to be enhanced, praise God. I'm telling you something. God wants to sevenfold somebody here today, right here today. He wants to put a sevenfold something in your life in the name of Jesus. And if you'll grasp this stronghold and this tweaking and God doing things, you're going to find strength like you've never had it before in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. So here we go. He says, I have, he says, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. There it is. You've got to understand one of the things that God is uh, uh, on a regular basis trying to bring into us. He wants you to know the word. He wants you to know the spirit. He wants you to know what's going on in these places. But God is trying to work on our love. That's what he's trying to do. I'm going to show you something tonight that hopefully will really open up your eyes to what's going on in some of your lives. And it has to do a little bit with this section. I really have a strong urge to want to take these horses down that pathway. But God said, no, let's cut this one in half. Do this one first. And so that's what I'm going to do in Jesus' name. So the love, your first love, praise God. And you and I must understand the difference between our love and his love. Come on, you and I can develop filial love. We can develop um, strong relationships with people. But that love is based, is it conditional? That's why we fail. That's why sometimes we get mad at our wives and our husbands. It's because, man, we just don't have that tolerance. You know? But it's still a filial love. It's, it's able to go in and say, listen, I want to develop a relationship with you. But it's not the love of God. And you and I must understand the love of God is different. It's more powerful. It's from Him. Amen. And it's shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you realize that or not. That's one of the byproducts of being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost is you have the love of God that begins to operate in your life. But I'm going to tell you something. It's like the dimensions of man. How many has ever heard me teach on the dimensions of man? 
Have you? The dimension of man, where you got the moth, you got the dog, you got the dimension of, of um, what is it, uh, uh, fl uh, fleshly achievement. You have the dimension of vibrations, which is the spiritual dimension on the lowest end, and that's where the demonic activity is at. And then you get above that, praise God, which is where God takes us into heavenly places. Can somebody say amen? Then you can develop a, a powerful walk with God with faith. And with, and, and, and with miracles, praise God. And it's happening in this church, folks. It's happening. Man, we just had a fellowship the other day at somebody's house. And a couple of people got healed. Come on, I'm telling you. I'm not bragging, folks. I'm just telling you what's happening. These things are a byproduct of our walk with God. But the, but the seventh dimension is the dimension of love. That's where God wants us to walk. And I wish I could tell you that I do that about 90% of the time every week. I wish I could tell you that, but I can't because I'd be a liar. But I do walk in that dimension from time to time, and I found it to be one of the most fruitful dimensions I've ever walked in. It's not a compromising dimension. It doesn't t restrict me from telling people what they really need to hear. Come on, folks, I'm walking in that dimension right now, by the way. I'm not bragging about this. I'm walking in love. I'm telling you these things because I love you people and not because I can conjure this up because God has given that to me. When I went into the prayer room this morning, his love came flowing into my life in the name of Jesus. And yeah, it makes the word of God a quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what it does in Jesus' name. And so this is what God is doing, praise God. He's helping us to get back to that. But somebody said one time, you know, what does that first love look like? What does it look like? And I'm not going to sit here and try to exhaust it to you this morning because, you know, sometimes I, 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 I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I've seen it, praise God. Let me give you some what I feel like it is, praise God. I feel like walking in the dimension of God's love helps us to love Him with, our whole soul, with all of our hearts, strength, and mind. That's what it does. It helps us to do that. Amen. And so loving God, wasn't that the commandment that Jesus kind of really centered on? Somebody came to him, you know, towards the end of his itinerary and said, man, what's the greatest commandment? You know, it's kind of like, what do I got to do to be saved? Give me that one thing, you know. And a lot of times it's just the door that opens to get to it. But Jesus said, listen, he said, it's simple. He said, the, the whole law can be divided into two areas. He said, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. No, the one doesn't come before the other. No, it doesn't. And some of you have been trying that, and that's why you're failing. If you can learn to receive the love of God, just like you received the Holy Ghost, and allow it to begin to flow through you, and then return it to somebody who doesn't deserve it. Return it to somebody who just kicked you in the shins. Return it to somebody who just said a whole bunch of stupid stuff that weren't true about you. Come on, I have learned how to do this. Amen. Not every time. I'm still learning too. But boy, when I do, I'm going to tell you something. Things turn out a whole lot better for me. And that's what God is doing. And so the church was doing great. They had A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I mean, they were just doing it. They were lining it up. They were teaching more Bible studies than anybody in the district. I mean, they were doing all kinds of cool stuff. They were having great services and all that kind of business. But there was something that wasn't flowing from them that God had noticed. 
And God said, your first love. Go back to that. You remember when you first got baptized, how God could have asked you to, to do anything. And man, you wouldn't even have argued with him. You wouldn't even have hesitated. You said, God, whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it looks like. Come on, that's what it looks like. Is there's no hesitation in your relationship with God. Because you know that his love brought this to you. And you're willing, praise God, to let it flow through you to somebody else that didn't deserve it. Just like you. Come on, there needs to be about 10 of you with your hands in the air asking God to forgive you right now. Come on, ask him to touch your mind and your soul in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Now listen to me, folks. One of the, one of the, the, the biggest trump cards of the devil, big time, is to get you to give up. And that's one of the reasons why those of you that are trying to operate in this dimension in the flesh, no wonder. He's got you exactly where, you, where you're supposed to be. You'll be giving up in a few weeks. I'm not being pessimistic, folks. I'm being extremely realistic. If you do not learn how to flow in the Spirit, praise God, you're going to run out. You're going to get short. You're going to do all kinds of stupid things. But when you can allow God's Spirit, which is a sustaining power. Come on, remember I told you that man can come up with a good program, but it never lasts. But God can come. He can come into the place, praise God, and He can lift us up high. Come on, I'm talking about a heavenly dimension that can give you some resilience in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Do you feel that in here right now? Do you sense that knocking on your door? It sure is. Are you going to open? Come on, it's up to you. You can do that in Jesus' name. And no offense, but you don't need some hot song up here to get you to do that. It might get you started, but praise God, I'm going to tell you something. You don't need that. You can do that anywhere. Because God is, is the way it goes. That's the way it goes. And so he is there, praise God. And so what he's asking them to do is go back to that first love, which is quick to repent. It's quick to say, listen, I'm doing it wrong. Not that they are or you are, whatever the case is. It's very quick to, to, to recognize what's really going on in the situation. And so that's what he says. He says, you can do this, praise God. And God doesn't want to remove candlesticks. He doesn't want to remove your light. But I, I, and I have to say it because to qualify it, but he will. I've seen him do that in the ministry. Touch not thou thine anointed, which is good advice for saints in the, in the pew and the chairs. But I've seen God come in. I've been, a, I've been in, on the district board now. I'm not an expert, but I've been there for going on 21 years. And, um, and I've seen a lot of things. And I've seen God come in. Literally, I've seen him come in. Praise God. And just take care of things. And just take the, those things right out and, and then put somebody else in. So I know he's capable of doing that. And so loving God is an important thing. That's what brings the love of God. Praise God. And then developing and keeping a servant heart. There's another one of those areas. You know, one of the, um, uh, the gifts, uh, uh, groups of places where the gifts of the Spirit are being, are being taught is not in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, it's in actually um, uh, 1 Romans. <laughs> 1 Romans. Chapter number 12. 
And if you read verses, oh, you can read the whole chapter, go all the way down to about verse number 8 or 9, you're going to find that there are some service gifts there that God wants to release into the church that will make a lot of other things happen. And all, most of those have to do with servant, being a servant, praise God. And then the last one, and I'm, I'm just going to give you these three, love God, you know, keep a servant heart, and then number three, be faithful. Remain faithful to what he's already showed you. Amen. reason why some of you aren't getting those big answers met is because you wouldn't accept the ones he's already gave you. That's the truth, folks. I've, I know that from experience. Amen. That's why I want to accept the answers he already gives me and walk in those answers. And then, yeah, he'll start giving me more. Remember that little scenario when Jesus, they were trying to trip up Jesus? Well, the baptism of John. Was that from God or man? Ooh, let's go to another theological seminar, you know? And Jesus didn't even, he didn't even bat an eye. He said, well, let me ask you, you know, you know, about that. Was that from God or man, you know? Actually, it was the authority issue is what it was. They said, where'd you get this authority? Who gave you this stuff, you know? And Jesus said, let me ask you, the baptism of John. Was it from God or man? So you've got to answer that in your heart. Either this is from God, either what I'm saying to you through the Word of God is from God, or it's not. And save yourself some frustration. I'd leave if, if you didn't think it was from God. That's the reason I'm still here after 40 some odd years. It's because I believe it's from God. And not that I have all kinds of confidence in the people who have spoken. I just have confidence in the Word. And so keep that in Jesus' name. Now let me give you something that you can, you can think about this afternoon, okay? You talk about weapons, and somebody said, well, what are these? What, what kind of weapons are we talking about? Well, number one, let me give you seven of them, and, and you, can, you can do with this as you please. I pray this myself personally every day, and I ask God to help it. First one, and you know, these are not in particular order. I just have them written down this way. But the first weapon that I have, a very mighty weapon, is the weapon of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what led me to the cross. That's what allowed me to be baptized in Jesus' name. And every day I utilize the blood. The Bible says if I confess my faults to him, if I will confess my sin, the Bible says that he is faithful. Somebody say amen. And then it says in, in 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 9, and his blood cleanseth. The E-T-H in that word means it's ongoing. So the blood of Jesus Christ is what keeps me righteous before God. Amen. Not trying to be sinless, but it's the blood. And so I utilize the blood every day, and I hope that you will too. It's a weapon. It's not a carnal weapon. It is a spiritual weapon in Jesus' name. Another weapon is, of course, the word of my testimony. Am I getting results? Is this word working on me? Can I go, you know, on a regular basis and say, yes, I, I, can, point, I can point out some things in my life that it's happening. And so that becomes the word of your testimony. That becomes a personal thing. That somebody can come and tell you how it isn't working for them, but you can say, well, it's working for me. You know? And I'm not saying that it's, it's an argument. I'm just saying that it's a witness. And that's what God has kept, keeps us on this earth to be, is to be a witness. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me, un, unto Jerusalem, unto Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. The word witness there actually is kind of a little bit of a scary word in the carnal. It means martyr. That's what it means. It literally means to learn how to die. And the first place you need to learn how to die is not in the world. It's with God. 
Die out to the things that you know that are taking you away from God. It's just that simple. And that's a weapon. Somebody say amen. amen. Another weapon, of course, is the name of Jesus. I'm going to go into this a little bit tonight, but there's scripture that teaches us that that's going to start heating up. It already has in some areas. The Bible says that they're going to hate us for his namesake. Amen. The name is oneness. The name really, really, really separates us. And that's what it is, but it's still a very powerful name. That's why in the name of Jesus, we do these things. That's what we did this morning for this dear sister. We prayed in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, another weapon or number four that I have on my list here, and I've got a bigger list down the road here, but these, this be good enough for to get you to work. Number four is the written word of God. Yes, getting familiarized with the written word of God. Jesus, when he was confronted with the devil, you know, that's what he did. He'd come right back at him with the word of God. And so this is what you and I have to do, praise God. There's lots of scriptures that helps that. You know, a good psalm to become familiar with, and it's a long one, it's the longest one in the Bible, is Psalm 119. That entire psalm deals with God's word, his statures, his, his um, um, you know, th that type of, of, of theme, if I can put it that way. And so become familiar with that. Come on, we're still talking about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Any stronghold in here can be handled this way in Jesus' name. And then number five, you know, and I've categorized these over the years together, is we need to learn how to praise and pray. Because I've used them in combination a lot of times. Learning how to praise God and then pray on the same, in the same um, uh, light or the same way in Jesus' name. And so God can help us to do that. I already told you, I, this is not new. This is stuff that, you know, we should be becoming more and more familiar with in Jesus' name. But this is what God told me to give to you today or to, to this morning in lieu of for tonight in Jesus' name. And so that's what I'm doing, praise God. And so then you have, um, of course, number six, I have is the angels of the Lord. Years ago when I first started uh, um, ex uh, experiencing things in that realm, and I've experienced it several times. I could tell you some stories. Um, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It just, I, I know it happened. I was in a prayer room one time, and for some reason, I don't know why, God has never ever told me, but all of a sudden, I was looking, um, uh, uh, I, look, I just started looking up, and all of a sudden, there he was. I mean, this thing was big, about nine foot tall, and I remember he had a sparkly kind of a thing on. And um, that's all I can remember. I could, I could probably draw a picture of him if, if somebody was a better artist than I am, but I never forgot that. And I have sought the Lord. I said, Lord, why did you show me that? And he just said, don't worry. He said, I just want you to be aware of this. And there's been several other times that God has helped me to do that. So I know the angels are real. And I understand the story, so do you, that many of them have fallen. And that's why you've got to begin to differentiate between the two. You really do. And you're not going to be able to do that with your carnal mind. You're not even going to be able to do that with your best A-game spirit. You will get confused. You will make mistakes. You will think something is something when it really isn't even close. You and I need the Spirit of God to discern between that. Now listen, if you just saw me get real serious the last 30 seconds, that was on purpose. Some of you really need to learn this. 
that you got, you're not going to get this on your own. You're not going to get this because you're educated, because you're in the church long enough. Come on, go to the second chapter of the book of, of Revelation and learn the lesson. Yeah, there's certain things that you can get down and you can get, you know, dis discipline and all that kind of business, but there are certain things that you can't do without the love of God. You can't do it. And so we've got to quit. We really do. We've got to move away from that and start developing this other area that God wants us to develop. And then you'll become sensitive. You'll become to a place where you'll begin to recognize that. But listen to me. Even if you've been doing this as long as I have for 45 some odd years, you're still going to get tripped up from time to time. That's why you've got to depend on God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about this Wednesday night. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You and I are ever going to be dependent on God. Get that through your thick skull, Christian. Quit thinking you're going to be the exception and not the rule, and you're not. I'm going to tell you right now, you and I, we need God. That's why we're here right now. It's because of Him. You come back here in 10 years, if you're still here, it's because of God. Not because of how great you think you are. Now that was preaching, okay? I just went from teaching to preaching in 30 seconds. But man, there was a thicker veneer there. And so you and I must understand the angels of the Lord are not to be worshipped. They're ministering spirits sent forth for those that are heirs of salvation. So keep yourself right with God. That's your duty, not theirs. And so we can do that. And then the last one, or is it, yeah, the last one, of course, and like I said, these are not in order. I'm just giving you seven things that you can start bringing into, into your private table at home. And the seventh one is, of course, the Holy Ghost. And that's you and I. We have got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. The uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth chapters of the book of Romans are good chapters to get familiar with to the, the cause and effect. Amen. You know, he starts off there in that sixth chapter, you know, well, should we sin now that grace abounds? Let's just have a party. Let's just forget about standards. Let's just forget about, you know, rules and regulations and the law. Yeah, let's just go out and have a good time because God's grace covers it. What was his answer? Forbid. Yeah. God forbid. Why? Because there's where the dying came in. You made a commitment to God that you were going to start dying out to some things. Ah, forget about that one? Yeah, maybe you did. But God wants to bring that one back up. Amen. Because sin will always separate us from God. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It just will. And so you and I must keep up that battle with sin. And so then it goes into the seventh chapter. And Paul almost has a give, give in attitude there. Well, what's the use? I try to do something here and then it just it all falls apart. You know? And he's talking about the carnal aspect. And then he finally, he finally tells us, he says, there's no good thing in me that is in my flesh. And that's where you're at right now. When you try to do things for the Lord in your flesh, there's no good thing there. It ain't going to work. And so that's why he goes into chapter 8 and he says, there's therefore now no more condemnation for them that walk according to the Spirit. I know I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but read that. 
That's what he's doing. He's encouraging you and I to, to develop the spiritual walk that God has already went to Calvary to restore to us. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to unhook the plow here. But I've got another row or two I want to give you tonight. But I've given you some things to think about. I know that. And I, I know that there's some serious, there's people in here that really your, your biggest thing is to get a little more serious. And I'm not going to tell you when, where, or how. You can do that on your own. I'm just saying that that's probably where you're at right now. Let's stand together. Praise God. God has been so good to us. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we do this? Just so we can um, make it official. Because you know nothing ever happens back there. It's got to happen all down here. No, that's not it. That's not it. I just, I just sense some unity when we come down here that we don't have when we're back there in those chairs. That's why I'm doing it, folks. I'm not trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do because if you don't want to come, you don't have to. And I won't even look at you. But those of you that do want to come, I want us to come down and I want us to pray unified. I want us to admit to the fact that there's probably all of us in here from time to time have lost our first love. Do you want it back? Do you want your first love back? I believe that God can help you to get onto the road of restoration of that first love here today, right now in Jesus' name. Let's lift up our hands unashamedly and let's just believe God for it in Jesus' name. Mm. God, hallelujah.